episode 43 with Lori Okamira on the Nine Point Start the Dream podcast. Welcome to Nine Point Started with a Dream podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode was was a, was a little bit different. It was almost like a mentor a mentor call for me in a sense. Um, it was supposed to be about learning Lori's journey, and when we did, um, Lori is the USA volleyball chairman. She does a lot of stuff with the Paralympics and everything she's doing with in the sports. And it was kind of like one of those calls where it wasn't supposed to be about me, but it ended up being about me. And everything she was saying is about humility and leadership, and a lot we can all learn from just hearing from her experience, just how she navigated her journey to be in a position where she can be a part of sports, but from a perspective that most people don't even think is possible. You know, the way she's able to give back to, you know, both sides, athletes and for people that want to work in sports. So great episode here. We go through her journey, just kind of just talking about just life and just and kind of how we can position ourselves in the future, you know, through just being more authentic, just kind of owning our journey in a sense. So great, great episode here with Lori. Um, She's really really a great person to connect with if you ever need somebody to talk to like she's really a great person to a great resource so hope you enjoy and let's get to it hi how are you good morning hi hi good morning how are things for you good good how about yourself doing well are you out in california i am yeah this week i'm in california which is great <laughs> awesome. good good time zone and you said uh, you're traveling you're in you're in uh, arizona mm, I, live, I live out in phoenix Oh, okay, okay. I was just there. Um, let's see, when was I just there? Last Thursday. Oh, a week ago. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, good place. I'll be back in um, and at the end of the month, actually. I have a friend who's the uh, CEO of the Global Sports Institute at ASU, and they do a big sports summit every year at the end of March. So he's, uh, yeah, he's putting that together, and I think it's the 29th or so. Have you, have you heard of the Institute, the Sports Institute? I saw your post the other day on Instagram, and I was like, "Ooh, what is this?" And I and and I and I, so I'm going now. I'll be there for. Oh, good, good, and I'll get to meet you. Yeah, we'll see you there then. Yeah, awesome. It's a it's a really good event, and he brings so Ken Shropshire is the gentleman in charge, and he uh, he brings together some pretty dynamic people, you know, to uh, to share ideas. And I love what I love about this summit, and I've gone to a lot of them. But what I love so much about it is it's a combination of students and professionals. Right. And the professionals aren't just speaking on the panels. Like last year, it was the first year and I got to actually sit and do, you know, do some exercises and workshops and roundtables with actual students, you know, which is God, I wish I would have had that opportunity when I, when I was that age. But uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. But, yeah, good. Yeah, so definitely. Cause I, was, I was reading like the last one. I was like, man, this is really some good stuff. Just my whole, everyone there is like really, you know, established in their career field from like people like like yourself people in the mlb and i was like wow this is really going to be and it's free it's free it's free and it's really um it's very accessible you know what i mean like like people like i said like last year you know there there were panelists who did their thing and then they would come into the audience or come into the gallery for the next panel you know and they would be interacting like sitting you know right right in there with the students so it's it's almost like continuing education you know it was really yeah it was really nice because oftentimes when you go to things like that and they're all they're all valuable in in a different way but oftentimes when you go to like these summits or seminars and I encourage that for you know for anybody breaking in or even already in right the industry but sometimes it's very sterile 
you know, you have the, the presentation and it's, you know, dynamic and everything, but then, you know, there's a break and everybody disappears from the stage and you don't really get a chance to, um, you know, to like follow up anything, you know, with those people. So, um, yeah, I, I really liked that aspect of, of this summit, you know, where there was a little bit more interaction, you know, especially where students could literally sit next to you and ask you about, you know, something that happened in the panel before, or as you're working with the students, it was more like a teaching exercise than a workshop, you know, it was really, really interesting, uh, interesting format. So, so yeah, okay. So, so question for you, so I was reading, I was reading, I was reading your, your background, you know, on, uh -huh. like on your, your website and all like so so how did you get started or how did what inspired you to really just kind of go into this world of sports well it's interesting most, most you know I, I get that question a lot and most people are surprised to find out that uh, well for me it was just participating as a child right it was just sort of you know being able to to uh, be a part of a team right which is a terrific way to not only socialize for young kids but uh, it's also a great way to learn you know those kind of life skills like sharing and communication and, you know, things like that. So for me, I got started just by participating. And, um, you know, as, as is the case, not everybody who plays sports um, will go on and continue to play sports at higher levels. You know, they may stay involved as a, on a recreational level. Um, but then you, you, know, you sort of have to ask yourself at the point that you can no longer continue, you know, competitively, um, well, is there anything else that I can do? right, to stay involved in, in the sport that I've, you know, become so attached to. And in my case, it was um, an opportunity to, to coach, you know, and to learn how to coach younger kids, you know, around, around the time I was in college, you know, there were opportunities, you got to find a job, right, got to find 10 jobs, but, you know, <laughs> but uh, uh, playing was no longer a, a, um, an option, you know, from a physical standpoint, um, medically and, and everything else. And so, you have to sort of ask yourself, you know, are there other ways for me to be involved? Um, are there other things about the sport or any sport, you know, that I, that I could still be learning, right? The minute you stop learning is the minute you're just, you're done, right? <laughs> you know? so, so there's always, there's always something you can learn, you know, from somewhere. And so for me, it was, okay, since you're no longer physically able to participate, you know, what other areas might you be interested in? And I was in school to study journalism and business you know, and so that always kind of caught my eye as like, well, how can I promote this sport better? You know, how come we don't have more fans in the stands and things like that? Um, from a practical standpoint, you know, you, like I said before, like every college student needs a job or two jobs or three jobs, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. the opportunity presented itself to learn a little bit about game management. Um, I did an internship in the sports information office, but really the turning point was being offered an opportunity to stay with the women's volleyball team um, and learn how to coach and learn how to work behind the scenes. And then having that perspective, um, you know, when you can no longer be an athlete yourself. Right. And so that's how I got started. And um, lucky for me, and really, I'm not sure exactly how it happened. It certainly wasn't any sort of like big overarching plan, but um, the opportunities kept, um, uh, you know, kept coming forward as you make opportunities for yourself. Obviously you make opportunities for other people. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, in trying to do, you know, learn as much as I could about the different areas that I was being exposed to, um, an opportunity came up uh, when I was still in school, still finishing you know, college and uh, to work with a professional beach volleyball tour. And that sort of started the, the jump from one side of the industry, you know, the team management, the college athletics, your know, intercollegiate athletics um, world.
world and then to a more uh, professional, a little bit more diverse commercial world, you know, sponsors and agents and athletes and, you know, more professionalism. Um, and, and really it just, again, there's no master plan. I just was fortunate enough to be, you know, to jump around from opportunity to opportunity, which saw me go from uh, almost every side of the sport of volleyball uh, in particular, and got to learn about this one industry, you know, from many, many different angles. So whether, you know, wh whatever your industry is, right, whatever your business is that you go into, your careers that you go into, to be able to see it from multiple perspectives is always a bonus. You know, it's a gift, right? I mean, not, not very many people will get a chance to do that. You know, it's like people who are in, uh, I was in sporting goods for a long time, and until I got into the manufacturing, you know, and production of the actual products that we used to use as players I never really understood exactly how deep you know the connection goes and how how far you know back the connection goes with athlete you know, obviously you don't just show up and you have your balls your nets your you know your fans and everything else I mean all of that comes from somewhere all right so to be able to understand a single a singular industry from multiple perspectives has probably been the most valuable experience so far love that uh, and I think it's kind of cool kind of like like kind of like I from your whole thing was that if you just want to put in the work, you know, opportunities right. come. Right, right. And that's it. You know, it's been interesting. The last couple of weeks I've been chatting with uh, various uh, college age students, you know, whether they're business students or um, sports PR students. And then just last week I got a chance, or actually this, this week, Monday, I got a chance to sit down with, um, with a couple of student athletes uh, from volleyball and soccer from a, a Miramar college in San Diego. And the topic actually was about uh, humility, right? Mm, and, and, and you think about, you know, when you talk about humility, and I'll tell you how, I, how that topic came about. When you talk about humility, you have to talk about loyalty and you have to talk about determination, right? And um, how, how the, you know, and oftentimes, you know, every once in a while I get lucky enough to be asked to speak in a, you know, class, usually they're sports business classes or, you know, sports PR classes or for, for uh, student groups. And, um, you know, it's, it's usually the same, topic because it's relevant is that they need to figure out like how's the best way to get work experience and to find jobs and you know things of that nature networking relationship building but uh several about a month ago i was sitting at a at a men's college volleyball match and uh and i was somewhat surprised you know i i really love obviously i love volleyball but i really love men's volleyball because there's something kind of pure about it right there are not many scholarships involved so the players who are playing are typically playing because they really want to you know they want to be there and uh you know that's a different kind of vibe you know as opposed to oh i'm getting paid to be here as a professional or i'm representing my country there's a lot of pride in that you know, there's always a different you know a different perspective but i was really surprised at this match to witness some poor behavior you know and it's it's a classic scenario where you have a top you know, top performing athlete from the team who's also a team captain who um, just is having a rough, you know, rough night and gets pulled out of the, of the match. And instead of, you know, I've seen oftentimes where, okay, even the captains, you know, they'll go and they'll be a part of the bench and they'll try to encourage, you know, from the side. But instead of seeing that type of behavior, I saw some pretty poor behavior and kind of, you know, maybe, maybe along the lines of sour grapes, you know, just kicking water bottle and separating himself from the rest of the, the substitutions, you know, the, the subs on the team and, and just going, isolating himself, you know, down at the end of the bench. Understandably, he's upset, you know, he's coming out of the match, but what message did that send, you know, not only to his teammates, but to all the youngsters watching 
from, you know, from the audience or from the side, right? And, uh, and so I started to think about, well, you know, one thing I think that is missing from the discussion, you know, nowadays is like hum- the discussion of humility, right? What exactly does that mean? No one person on the team is any more important, you know, than anyone else. And certainly if you're part of a team, right, you, you need your partners around you. You know, you need your, you need your teammates. You, you know, it doesn't happen alone, especially in a sport like volleyball, right? A six on six, two on two, what, you know, no matter what the format is, it's not a sport that you play one-on-one, right? So you always are going to need somebody. And, and that whole discussion about humility, you know, raised the issue of, okay, you have to also discuss loyalty, right? And what I was telling these kids, you know, on Monday is that, hey, loyalty doesn't just mean you shake your head up and down, you know, every time your friend or your buddy, you know, wants to do something, even if you think it's wrong, right? Sometimes loyalty includes, you know, giving somebody a little bit of a, of a reality check and say, hey, man, that, you know, that behavior is not, is not okay. You know, you're better than that, Right. And then as far as determination, it's the idea for these young people that, okay, you're, you know, your destiny really is in your own hands, right? It's, it's not up to somebody else, you know, to create your path for you or to help you down that road. You have to create it, create your opportunities for yourself, right? And as you're creating opportunities for yourself, um, you then will also create opportunities for other people, you know, whether they're teammates or friends or colleagues or people that you don't even know yet that you're going to run across, you know, in at some point in your life or in your career. So I thought that was a really, it's been a really interesting um, couple weeks, you know, discussing this with different, you know, different groups and they're all, it's all been with younger people, right? So teenagers all the way, high schoolers all the way up to, you know, to college graduates. Um, But it's been interesting to hear what, you know, they've all had to say about it because a lot of people find it, um, I guess, you know, comforting to know that you don't, you know, if you're right now you're part of a team, you're part of a sports team or, or part of a business team. And, you know, if that should ever end, it's not the end of the world. You know, you'll find another team, right? <laughs> you'll find, you'll find another way, you know, and a lot of the student athletes, especially, you know, they, um, they look at what I, you know, what I do. So I actually work in the world of sports, but my, my role with USA Volleyball is voluntary. You know, it's, it's a volunteer uh, board of directors position and it's, it's an honor, you know, to serve, but you have to be, you know, very aware that you've got to leave the business to the business people, right? And you've got to try to support, you know, the people who are working there and getting paid to do what they do, you know, every day. Um, and for some of the kids that I speak with, you know, they think, oh, you know, how do I get a job and doing that or doing this? I said, well, first of all, you have to put yourself in a position to understand the industry that you want to, you know, eventually be at the top of, right? You have to put yourself in a position to learn, right? And they're sometimes very surprised by that. You know, what more can I learn after I get out of school? Oh, surprise! You'd be you'd be surprised. <laughs> you know, there's there's quite a bit more Definitely. that you can learn. You know, and you can also learn. From you know, one of the reasons why I like doing things like this, aside from giving back, and you know, I got a lot out of the people that I interacted with when I was a student. You know, got to listen to their perspectives, and you know, get, um, every once in a while, have a conversation. You know, about about goal setting and things like that. But I learned as much from these young people, you know, as as I you know as I do from people older than me or when I was their age, from people like myself who you know come in and speak. So there's, there's definitely a, a, a reciprocal benefit, you know, to hearing what they all have to say or what they're thinking about or what the issues, you know, are on their minds. Um, and it's, it's always, 
refreshing because it's different. It changes. <laughs> what they want to know, what they want to hear about, you know, changes. I think maybe the only thing that stays the same is how do I get a job when I get out of school? <laughs> yeah, I, I, once, once student loans start, start, start going. You bet, you bet. It took me, somebody asked me um, in this last, uh, actually not this last round, but in one of these seminars I was doing earlier, they asked me, well, gosh, how long did it take you to um, pay off your student loans. And I said, well, um, you know, don't be afraid by this answer. I said, but, you know, I took the, the route of, okay, I had, a, had two, you know, different, different loans and um, I started paying them right away, you know, even before I graduated from school. As soon as I was allowed to start paying them off, I started paying at least the minimum. I said, and by the time I was 31 or 32, and they all kind of like, <gasps> you know, that sounded, that sounded so old to them. I said, oh my God, you know, and, and you forget, right, how young, people are when they're in college because when you're in college you felt kind of like hey, I know you know I know enough I know a lot and um, you know I, I probably know everything I need to know right <laughs> you think yeah. you're so old but uh, yeah so it was you know it's it's uh, there are different things for young people to contend with these days you know every every, every generation has you know has its uh, its challenges right and also its benefits but nowadays I think you know the lens is much larger um, that everybody is being scrutinized with, especially with social media and uh, the internet and technology, you know, in general. Right? And um, somebody's accomplishment, you know, will be, will be celebrated just as much and just as actively as somebody's failure, right? Mm -hmm. Just as many eyeballs on, you know, on your success as there is on your failure. Uh, and so I think that puts a lot of pressure, you know, on these, on these uh, kids coming out of college. So from my perspective, from the student athlete perspective, you know, from the person who works with athlete perspective, you know, my advice is always be flexible, right? Um, don't ever, don't ever accept just one way, you know, that things can be, right? So if you, if you're a student athlete, you go through, you're lucky enough to get, you know, on a college team and that's a privilege, right? It's a definite privilege. Um, you know, just, just because there may not be an athletic opportunity coming next, doesn't mean that your life will be completely void of athletics. You know, you, you'll eventually, you know, you could still participate recreationally. You could go into the business of sport. You can go into a business that supports sports. You know, one of the points uh, uh, I make in this presentation is, you know, there are, you'd be surprised around the world that the people who are involved in the sports world actually don't work for companies that are like professional teams or, you know, specific sports products you know they work for technology companies they work for communications companies they work for finance groups um, a lot of the sporting events you know produced around the world are connected to government agencies like tourism or convention and visitors bureau associations right a whole nother industry you know the hotel industry if you think about it i mean the hotel and hospitality industry you know airlines and ground transportation and rental cars i mean they are among the top percentage of um, sponsors, you know, and supporters and partners for collegiate athletics, professional athletics, you know. Um, so, so I think that it kind of, you know, to hear that perspective um, for these student athletes and even for non-student athletes, right, that, oh, hey, you know, if I have an interest in something, whether it's arts or culture or sports or, you know, just, uh, just any area, um, that you can still have that involvement and that passion, even if you're working at a bank or in retail, or, um, you know, somewhere else, you can still translate that into some sort of involvement or support, you know, for the sport that you love. Right? 
that's key like, i think yeah. like because like because everyone wants to go into sports you know like you know yeah. whether you're an athlete or whether you're the student you know a lot of times they always they go sales you know right. you want to go work in sales and and work the way up that way so for you was that kind of like the kind of route you took i saw you did sales you did the marketing you did promotion so that kind of like what the route you took right that's the route the route that i took was was all of them actually. And that, that's what helped me so much. It wasn't until I got, like I said earlier, it wasn't until I got into the sporting goods manufacturing area that allowed me to understand budgets better, you know, to understand channels of advertising and sales and marketing and everything else. And it, it um, gave me an opportunity to actually sell a product, which I didn't think was something that I would, <laughs> that I would necessarily, you know, be good at or enjoy. Definitely. Right. But what, it, but what it comes down to is just being able to, you know, you have to, you have to learn or already know something, you know, about what you're selling, right? Obviously you mm-hmm. need to know what you're, you know, what you're putting out there. Um, and that was a good exercise for me because I didn't, you know, I wasn't just selling volleyball. I was selling water polo and football and soccer. And so that gave me, you know, kind of a, a more well-rounded look at what other areas of sport had to offer, you know, in comparison to mine. Right. It helped me figure out what was good about those other, you know, what, what makes uh, soccer so popular you know, around the world as opposed to other, you know, other sports. Um, why is there so much money in golf and tennis? And, you know, and so to understand questions like that or to be able to you know, look into areas like that actually helped me identify what was valuable and positive about my own area of sport, you know, in, in being such a volleyball oriented person. Right. So one example is, you know, um, you don't think about it when you're a kid playing or when you're coaching or anything else, but there is a whole industry wrapped up in, in like club sports, right. As an example. And I mean, every, you know, basketball, soccer, you know, tennis, I mean, private club sports um, is its own industry for the most part. And right about the time that I was coming into sporting goods um, in volleyball in particular, club sports was on this huge upswing you know people had already known about it and and you know were engaged in it but then somehow there was this whole new population of people that seemed to all at the same time you know get involved and want to get involved in club volleyball and uh you know there were lots of very entrepreneurial minded people at the time you know tournament directors and and coaches and club directors who were trying to find ways to service you know this growing population of not just kids but parents right, and coaches. And so what has developed over about a 20, 25 year period is this whole industry, you know, um, kind of touching back on like hospitality and transportation, like this whole kind of a tourism industry almost of these massive consumer driven club volleyball tournaments that take place all over the United States. Um, USA Volleyball, you know, it's, it's their, their sanctioned event of how people qualify for, for the USA National Championship. And it, it's amazing, you know, when they first started out, I was working with a couple of the different organizations and again, you know, behind the scenes, right, trying to figure out how to sell a product and my product is volleyball. So that was a pretty, you know, pretty, pretty done deal. You, know, you need the ball in order to play. So everyone's going to need to buy something. Um, but to watch these events, you know, over, over the, 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 the last couple of decades, you know, develop and grow. I mean, I've seen everything from, <clears throat> from uh, cities lobbying politically to increase the size of their convention centers so that they can accommodate volleyball. I've seen um, new companies come into the mix that had nothing to do with sports that all of a sudden they see like financial groups 
they see, you know, 50,000 people, you know, stuck in, stuck, you know, for the weekend inside a big convention center with hundreds of volleyball courts. And at first they don't think that anything of it, but then they realize that, okay, for every child that's out there playing, there are a set of parents that's wondering, how am I going to afford um, to get my child into, you know, to pay for college? Right. Not everyone's going to get a college scholarship. So now the financial industry comes into it with you know, student loan um, advice or things of that nature. So, it, you know, again, it's it's very you know, cyclical is that you, you find these needs for the consumers that are involved in sports. Right. And then to translate that back to like the young the young people that I've spent the last couple of weeks with is like, you know, there's opportunities everywhere to be involved. You know, if you're if you're a, a finance major right now and you end up, you know, getting a job in that industry, okay, when you have the opportunity, maybe talk to somebody at your company about supporting a, a volleyball tournament or a soccer tournament or whatever it is that you're, you know, you're passionate about, right? Um, if you're if you're a law student right now and you're you're going to take this path of being a you know litigator or a corporate attorney, okay, every law firm in the United States, you know, has a portion of their proceeds that they dedicate to. Um, you know, to nonprofit or um, uh, cause-related, you know, issues. Well, no better cause than to get kids off the street and getting them playing sports. So advocate, you know, advocate for that. So it's just sort of opening, kind of opening the door a little bit, you know, and um, getting folks to think about, you know, their sport in a different way, right? How can I be involved in a different way? Definitely, because for me, like my journey, I was a walk-on at, at Oklahoma, and mm-hmm. while, while the walk-on, I was intern for for, for, for the University of Housing, Housing and Food Services. So I was doing marketing stuff for them. And I go, like now I go to practice, and I would you know do their products. So I kind of realized, you know, like this sports thing, like it's it, it's good now, but one day I'm gonna like figure out this life after. Right. And it's right. Like, and it's like how 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 do I position myself to where I'm maximizing both both sides where I'm giving it all of my, my sport, but also giving, giving it all to my, you know, my career type stuff. So. Right. Right. I met this, I met this young man several years ago and it was uh, right after a, uh, one, one of these discussions, one of these topic, you know, talks in, in a class. And he was very much like yourself. He was a walk-on student athlete, but he was also carrying two uh, work study jobs on campus. Right. And one of them was uh, working with the athletic department, uh, basically game management, you know, to help set up the venue, you know, prior to work during the event, and then obviously help, you know, make sure that everything was was uh, torn down, you know, after the fact. And uh, you know, and he had obviously he was part of a, you know a bigger team and had a you know supervise a full time employee was his supervisor and all that. But it was interesting because when I was chatting with him, you know, he um, uh, he sort of felt like when his student career ended, so would his job, right? Doing, doing this, you know, this game management. And I asked him, I said, well, why do you think that that has to be though? I mean, I understand the work study, you know, the student work study part of it would change, right? But why, why not take what you've already, you know, learned and the, the um, skill set, you know, that you've already developed and see if you can't uh, parlay that. And if you really love what you're doing and that, you know, that's one of your three jobs that you actually really love, right? <laughs> you know, what, why not see if that can't be a career choice? And so he just looked at me like puzzled, you know, like he didn't think that that would ever be an option. I said, listen, you know, part of the, the whole, you know, kind of struggling when you're a younger student, there's another side of that, you know, your supervisor and the people that are already employed, you know, in these, in these positions, they're always looking for new talent. You know, they're always looking for, for people who can do a good job, you know, for people that can, um, you know, work within the system and, and make it better, right? 
and uh, and his comeback was it was really pretty astonishing because he said, well I don't I don't know like how would I be able to to you know to even start to approach that subject I'm a terrible communicator I said well wait a minute wait a minute you know look at what you deal with on a nightly basis in this arena you know you're handling customer service you're handling ticket request you know problems that people have with their tickets, you're handling a little bit of, of um, marketing and so much that you're um, hosting corporate sponsors, you know, showing them to their suite or showing them to their seats or, or helping, you know, the marketing department if there's an activation and they need an extra hand or two. You're talking to people that, you know, he didn't even realize that, that um, you know, his, his regular communications with just the people that come to the event, like that's community, that's, that's experience. Right. That's not everybody can can talk that easily to people they don't know, but also to solve problems for people that might be coming at them with, you know, angry faces and <laughs> like, hey, you know, I, I didn't buy, you know, I didn't get my tickets or I didn't get my, you know, my free ball or, you know, whatever it was. And so, yeah, you think about when you're when you're a person looking for new people to hire. You know, sometimes, okay, you can read the resume and one person's resume may look flashier than another person's, but until you meet that person or see them in action, right, it's really difficult to tell, you know, how they, how, what kind of potential they might have or how they might fit into your organization. So another thing I always encourage, you know, these, these people, young people to do when they're starting out or even anybody, you know, looking to change careers or I do it myself, you know, oftentimes is to volunteer, right, <laughs> volunteer for a special event, whether it's sports related or not. You know, because you get to, you know, probably more importantly, you get to understand how things really work and if you do or don't want to be a part of, you know, something like that. Um, certainly there's an aspect of relationship building. But from the, from the flip side, you know, it, the people that you are working for, if you do a good job, you know, especially as a volunteer, somebody who's not getting paid, you know, to be there, um, that's a terrific reference for you, you know, a job reference or a personal reference or professional reference, because that person really doesn't have a dog in the fight, you know, as to whether or not you get that job, but they they will definitely notice. Be your advocate. Done a good job. Yeah, exactly. They'll, and, the, and the same is true on the reverse. If you didn't do a good job and you sort of wasted the opportunity, they will notice that as well, you know, but, um, but the volunteerism part of it is a real, I mean, I, I have so many examples that I can think back on of people who have volunteered at any age, right? Whether it's just out of high school, just out of college, or, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, you know, but they volunteered with a project or with an event or with an association or a company. And that has led to, you know, additional engagement, whether it's a job or business opportunity or personal, you know, connection or something along those lines. So that, uh, you know, again, it's just kind of, thinking outside the box a little bit, you know, how can you, I mean, how can you take your, your athlete experience, student athlete or professional athlete or otherwise, um, and parlay that into a career path, you know, once the playing, the playing part of your life is over, right? And I go through that a lot, not just with college kids, but, um, you know, working with the U.S. national teams, you know, there's, there's a big discussion. Um, a lot of athletes in our sport, in volleyball, can, can have an extended career. You know, the lifespan is a little bit longer. Um, some of our sitting athletes are in their 40s and 50s, and, and then we have some on our indoor volleyball team that are going to retire, you know, in their 20s. Um, some of them, you know, in their 30s. Beach volleyball has a little bit longer, <clears throat> longer lifespan. You've got athletes right now. Is a, a gentleman, his name is John Hyden, who's been an Olympian indoors and 
aspiring to be an Olympian, you know, for beach volleyball, but he just turned 46, I think, 45 or 46, and is considered one of the top, you know, athletes in our sport. So for, for our discussions with these, you know, national team professional athletes, it, it changes a little bit into, okay, when I retire from active competition, you know, now you're talking about being, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 years past your graduation date, <laughs> past your mm-hmm. sell-by date, you know, and, uh, and the, the anxiety is, is real, you know, yes. am, I, am I going to still have that same skill set? Am I going to, you know, still even be able to exist in the field that I studied, you know, that my major was in or anything else. And so it's a whole different conversation. So you, you really do emphasize a lot more the kind of, kind of thinking outside of the box, you know, what skills have you acquired in that, 15 or 20 year uh, career, you know, being a professional athlete that may translate now, you know, into, um, into a more business oriented, you know, career, a non-active, you know, non, non-physically active, um, you know, competitive role, but still, you know, using the skills that you've developed. But when it comes to that, like, like with your volleyball athletes, what's like the best resource for like, for like any athlete that wants to start figuring out either how to, the transition or just, or just trying to figure out a little bit more about them, the other side of themselves outside their sport, like what's like the resources they can maybe use to kind of get into business or whatever it may be? Well, surprisingly, the best resource for a, a soon to be retired athlete is a, another retired athlete, you know, or somebody who, you know, who just has a passion for sports. So give you, give you an example, you know, there are in most uh, areas of sport, what you'll find is there's a pretty diverse interest off the court or off the field, um, in, in whether it's investment interests or again, you know, business or finance or technology or you know, there are other areas of interest that a lot of these professional athletes have, right? That that's not always as well publicized because you're just talking about statistics when you see them playing. You never hear about you know, or you rarely hear about other interests that they may have, especially business interests. Um, so I oftentimes will, will recommend, you know, to an athlete getting ready to retire that you reach out to one who already has made this transition, right, to see what it was like for them, but also, you know, that it's a pretty tight network of people. They understand, you know, how anxious you can be when you're trying to figure out what your next step is. And so whatever they can do to contribute to that process, oftentimes they're very, very willing, you know, to do that, right? Whether it's just sitting down and having a conversation or introducing you to someone else that may be able to mentor, you know, you and, and help you with your decision. Um, you know, I had uh, some conversation over the last couple of years with athletes that had been in our program for like a decade or more, right? So they really were, were struggling to figure out, okay, can I even, do I even want to go into the field that I studied? you know, in college, right? Much less can I, or are there any opportunities, but do I even want to do that anymore? You know, or do I, or have I learned about other areas of interest that I have that I might want to pursue? And, uh, you know, I've seen everything from, you know, athletes who studied one thing in in college, but then they have this opportunity to do something completely different. Like uh, a lot of athletes um, go into speaking, you know, into public speaking, right? Or they engage with companies where they can, you know, they can use their experience in building a brand, you know, of themselves as an athlete or their team, you know, as a collective, uh, and they end up in marketing or merchandising or production, you know, uh, producing something that they, you know, that they want to, to learn more about. Um, but really the biggest 
resource I have found is our other athletes, you know, athletes to athletes or people that, that understand, you know, what it's like to take a hiatus from the, the corporate world, you know, and come back and how hard sometimes that can be. Right. And they advocate for, you know, for each other. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's turned out to be, I think the most valuable resource for some of the retiring athletes. I think like from everything we talked about so far, I think the biggest thing is the power, the power of your network mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is, you know, I think that's something that we can all kind of value from, 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 from the coach we had when we were in high school up to the coach we had when we were in college or a pro or, you know, the person you worked with when you're interned, whether you work with in professional. It's like, right. The, the, the network is important. Right. But I think what's within the network, it's the relationship building, which becomes um, increasingly more important, especially the older you get. Right. I think um, you know, one of the one of the I guess one of the one of the great things, you know, that you try to share with people coming into an industry is I try to get to know as many people as you can and, and meet, you know, as many people your network building. Right. You know, try to understand who people are in the industry that you want to exist in. Um, but let's be real, right? Not everybody you meet is going to be somebody that you continue to work with or, um, you know, will, will be engaged with on a day-to-day basis, right? And you may or may not even run into them at any point in time, you know, down, down the line in your career. So within that network that you build, it becomes increasingly more important to identify, you know, the people in that network that you can really establish um, good working relationship with, you know, Sometimes it won't always be a personal social relationship. Oftentimes I encourage, I keep business separate from, you know, from pleasure. There's always going to be some, you know, social aspect intermingled between, but really be clear about, you know, who are your business contacts and what is the real relationship that you have with those people um, as opposed to who are your personal contacts. You know, you may still do business with them, but these would be the people that you could, you know, pick up the phone and be a little bit more casual with or, or ask a favor, you know, that you might not otherwise um, feel comfortable to ask, right? And so the relationship building becomes, I think, even more important than the networking. You know, it's always important to know who, like they, they call it reading the room, right? <clears throat> Who's in the room with you and, and who belongs to what association and what, you know, what roughly do people do? And that's part of the exercise, you know, with the network building. But then developing those relationships from among those people, I think, is the challenge, right? And if you can do that, and if you can do that successfully, those people, and it may be a smaller group, you know, than, than you thought, um, those people will continue to help support, guide, you know, and mentor you, and you will do the same for them, right, as well. I love that. And, and I think this year has been so insightful because just to kind of hear how you just navigate this whole journey you know just it was just there wasn't ever just like a set direction you you just knew that I wanted to be involved Mm -hmm. yeah and if you if you if you're willing to take a chance you know if you're willing to take a risk a calculated risk right Um, and oftentimes your risk you know when you're younger your risk is based off of well is is that does that job pay more than I have to take that job (laughs) You know, it's based on, on the reality of your life situation, right? I've got to pay the bills. I have to pay my student loans, you know. As you get older, your opportunities and the risks that you may take with them are a bit more calculated, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, it's risk and reward, right? So in this case, I think for me, you know, I haven't always made the right, the right decisions or the right steps, you know. And, and even, if, you know, even being in this business now almost 30 years, um, I still 
experience the the downfall, you know, just as hard as I did when I was in my twenties or or thirties or you know and such. So you, it's you know again it goes back to you always have to have a mindset that there's something more you can learn than what you already know, right? And as you develop your inner circle, you know, it becomes really important to filter out the people that um, you know are presenting themselves to you because you work together or there's something they can gain from you or you can gain from them as opposed to that, that real tight inner circle of people that you may not see every day, you know, you may not um, work with every day, but you have a deep enough respect for and a, a good enough relationship and rapport with that you could contact them out of the blue and say, listen, I have a situation. What would you think about this? You know, and those, those are your, your key relationships you know, within, within your business. That's funny because um, I was just talking with um, I think it was, it was Georgian um, Moline. She's like, she runs track and field Olympian, and she was saying for her, it was the power of her of her of her village, like that small village. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Your village, your tribe, your you know people call them lots of different things, right? And, and it's uh, you know terminology wise, I think it's very suiting that you know we, we call we refer to team right in sports, but also you know business schools they refer to their you know, their staff and their group, their working groups as teams. Mm. It's, it's that applies everywhere you go. The, the life lessons you learn, especially as a student athlete, you know, definitely are applicable in your, your life, you know, the rest of your life outside of the world of sports, right? Sports for some people are, uh, are an outlet, you know, they're recreational. It's, it's a way to, you know, enjoy time after work. And for some people, sports is the work. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is what you, you know, you make your, your living off of and you, you exist in that world completely. Um, no one way is better than any other. But again, you know, you can always learn something. You can always contribute something. Right? And no one person in your organization is any more or less important than anybody else. Love that. So, so a few more questions for you. So right now, are you on social media, anything like that? Social media, we can, a website we can kind of mention right now? Uh, yeah. So, so I am on social media. Um, all my handles are the same. It's just Lori Oki, you know, at Lori Oki. Um, I encourage people to follow, you know, some of the, the organizations that, uh, that I think are, you know, interesting to them, whether it's a team or a national federation or uh, an individual. You know, I follow a lot of uh, Paralympic sports and Olympic sports. Um, but uh, I really, really, I think if you have an interest even if it's outside of the area that you're working in right now follow it you know social media can be a blessing and it can be a curse right Definitely. <laughs> I think but I think one, one thing that's great about social is it can keep people connected right and it can keep people informed um, uh, on on areas that they are interested about if you start to take social media as sort of like the you know the um, definitive information source then i think you, you run the risk of you know getting into getting into a couple of sticky situations yeah but if you if you take it as a way to just sort of get a bird's eye view you know of of an area that you're interested in and then do your own research you know go and do your own um you know look look into it a little bit more on your own then i think it can be a really valuable way to keep people connected you know i'm not really um you know, I'm not really big into the, the influencer categories. You know, I do, uh, I do appreciate the brand building aspect. There's a, there's a gentleman named Jeremy Darlow 
Um, I yeah, I mean, it's yeah, tough, yeah. yeah, he's fantastic because I think he comes at it from a very like real place when he talks to people or talks to athletes in particular about the importance of building their brand, right? It's not all about the me, me, me culture. You know, his, his uh, information is really very balanced in that, you know, he reminds these, these athletes, particularly when they're younger, right, that you have to be very careful, you know, what you present or what you portray of yourself because you just never know who's watching. Right. Or who's, um, you know, who's following you and, and what they may interpret or misinterpret, you know, from from what you're putting out there, um, your brand in our sport. Um, I really I really like uh, one one athlete in particular. I mean, I like them all. I follow you know as many as I can. But uh, there's one athlete in particular and I know her very well. But April Ross is one of our beach volleyball Olympians. She's a silver medalist from London and a bronze medalist from Rio. And uh, she, you know, she shares as much of her uh, uh, failures as she does her success, right? And she shows the imperfect life. Yeah, really. I mean, really very, it's very vulnerable to, you know, and she shows the imperfect side of her day, you know, as, as, well, as often as she shows, um, you know, something that's, that's a, you know, kind of good or something special or something that, you know, she's been lucky enough to be a part of because of her uh, career as, a, as an athlete, right? She takes it very seriously. It is a career, you know, and I think for that reason, people like her, and there's lots of other examples, you know, like that, but I, I use April sometimes as an example because of the fact that she does show you her, um, you know, weak, weaknesses as well as her strengths. Right. And she's not afraid to do that. Yeah. She's not afraid to just put it all out there. Right. Um, which is, which is powerful, you know, which is, which is really powerful. That's one reason why I started nine point because I was, cause, cause I had that problem, you know, for me, like, do you, do you know anything about nine point? Like, do you know anything like about the backstory behind it? Well, I, I went on your site and I read a little bit about it and I was fascinated completely, but, but I would love to hear it in your, in your words. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, sure. So, so for me, I was, you know, like most athletes going up, whatever, I wanted to go D1. That was my goal. You know, so my senior year of high school, I had a few smaller offers, you know, some NAI type stuff for football and senior year homecoming game, a tornado ACL. First, first quarter, four plays oh, in. Man. And I went from, you know, this guy had all these big dreams to like, who am I without sports? Like, what's my identity? Because all my life, everyone knew me as Jacoby the athlete. Right. And right. so I know I went that whole problem. I'll kind of, I would say it wasn't depression, maybe it was close to it. And, and I remember like, I felt like, yo, I'm going to walk on to Oklahoma, my, my track team, because that was my dream school, Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. so I walked up to track and field, Oklahoma, my freshman year. I, we, had, we, had a, we had our first meet January 20th. We're doing like block after the seventeenth, and I pulled my hamstring doing block. Oh God! So, so I went, I went again from you know having all these big dreams to like being so close, and it's gone. And 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 the coach was like, "Hey man, thanks for coming out, but you're off the team because you can't really earn your spot to say you can run with these guys." So again, it was like this anxiety, depression stuff. And the next year, I walked on again, Oklahoma, and and I made the team. I got to run and all that good stuff, but. Through that process, I was like, man, there's no place for me to hear real stories like this. There's no mm-hmm. place to hear how athletes are coming back from their adversity and how they're overcoming these things because you feel so alone sometimes because if an athlete says they have anxiety or depression or they're struggling, they call everything but an athlete. Yeah. So, yeah. I, kind of, so I kind of made this place. So I want to kind of just bring it all together to bring share the good and the bad just so that way we just know that it's okay to be human, you know? Like, yeah. We're all human, right? I mean, we all have good, bad, and and, and, and ugly, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
that's, you know, it's to me, I think your, your path is, you know, very similar to mine, you know, and now I really applaud, you know, you're creating a voice, right? You're creating an opportunity for yourself, but also look at the opportunity that you're creating for everyone else, you know, that you're, that you're engaging with. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's, you know, what more, and when you, and when you get to the point, like for yourself, you know, being at such, and, and this was just part of the discussion about humility, but I'm going to use you now in my, in my, <laughs> you know, the, the, the ultimate definition of humility is just what you described to me. You're an elite athlete at a, with an identity, a brand as an athlete. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, in a heartbeat, and I'd remind, I remind, especially when I'm speaking with teams, right. I remind them that this can all go away in a second. A split second. Right. Yeah. In a split second. So, you know, complaining about having to go to practice or not giving your all in practice. And I, and I talk with a lot of young, you know, like, like high school age groups as well. I said, you know, just imagine for a second, just sit here for 10 seconds. So that's how long it takes for it to all go away. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it kind of was like, Oh, you know, Oh my God, you know, and don't forget to thank mom and dad. And, you know, with, it was interesting because the, the last group that I, that I talked to um, college age kids it was more college down in San Diego. Um, they, le they left it as an open, you know, certain, certain sports teams were asked to come and then they left it sort of open, you know, for other people to come and, and sit in the theater. And I didn't realize at the time, but you know, I, I'm a big person about like you, you should, you know, if you're an athlete and you get into the gym earlier, the arena, you should shake the hand of anybody you see walking around you and thank them, you know, for their, anybody sweeping the floor or putting up the, you know, equipment or setting out the chairs or anything. And you should, you should try to do that before you leave, right? Or at the very least, people that you interact with, whether they're holding the door open or security or the ticket, ticket office, you know, you would be amazed at what just a simple kind word can do for that person's day, right? And, uh, and so in talking about, you know, that aspect or that, you know, and that part of the, the loyalty part of it, right? Be grateful for the people that, that you may never know, or you may never meet, or you might not ever know their names, but these are the people who make it possible, you know, for you to, um, you know, to do what you do, right? To be a part of this, like, amazing experience that you're having as a college student athlete. And then after it was over, and, and the you know, the gentleman who set this all up is actually a really, really good old-time friend of mine, volleyball friend of mine, and, and it, it wasn't something on my schedule, but, you know, that's, that's the relationship building part, right? Mm -hmm. he, saw, he saw on Facebook that I had done one of these discussions, and he goes, you know, my team could really use a, a, a chat like this, you know, right now. Do you think there's any way you could, you know, make it down here? And uh, yeah, you know what you do for those people who do for you, you, you know, you give back, right? Mm -hmm. And so after it was all over, I'm, chat I'm chatting with my friend, you know, who's the men's volleyball coach. And uh, he tells me, he goes, well, he couldn't stay, but he goes, our facility manager was sitting in the back of the room. He goes, and he just wanted to say, like, thank you for that mention about, like, it's important to recognize the other people around you that are part of the team, but they're kind of behind the scenes because you just have no idea, you know, how important just one acknowledgement could be to those people and they work hard too and they work hard but also they are among those of us right behind the scenes that maybe they wanted a career in sports and this is their way to you know be close to the sports any sport you know but sports that they love right so it really you know it it, it transcends i mean the the desire to want to work in this industry transcends 
you know, just being a player on the court or a, per, a person with the team or a trainer or, you know, and, and that was the other thing. There were a couple of, apparently there were a couple of athletic trainers, you know, sitting in the audience as well who were surprised that I would mention, you know, about athletic training. But you think about it, like I got hurt too when I was a high school athlete, you know, and you blowing out your ACL, like how important were those people to you, you know, especially in high school? Everything your trainer, your physical therapist, your doctor, I mean, geez, you know, and these people virtually, they're, they're there before everyone, they're there after everybody, and sometimes people don't even know who they are or what their names are, or, you know, anything else. So I think, you know, your story is very compelling as well, and so bravo to you that you're, you know, that you're actually putting into action, right, um, you know, this, this whole whole project with nine point because it, it's you. empowering other people that you may not know yet right you may mm. not you know you may not realize yeah, yet true. you know exactly who you're reaching right exactly who's listening so yeah bravo i mean your story is is you know it's very similar to you know a lot of the ones that i hear and even my own right you, you can always find a way to be involved you know and and contribute right i'm a big believer that every athlete has a story that can find another athlete on their journey totally Totally. Yeah, I think yeah. sometimes we, we get so scared to share because we, we're scared of that. We, th- we think that it's not important. But right. Or we think that people won't, won't appreciate, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, what you've been through or they'll make fun of it or they'll think you're lesser than if you can't, you know, if you can't play the sport anymore. Like, oh, geez. You know, that's such an old, you know, old, yeah. outdated mindset. Um, you know, like the you know, big thing right now, too, with athletes is the self-care component. You know, the taking time out for, uh, you know, mental health or even just physical health that's funny that's what's um, funny funny you say that i i did a post the other day about about that because i tried it for myself like, like in a therapist because i was kind of seeing how i'll get in this cloud and i could not see out of it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i'll just be like how can i get out of it and i was like you know what i'm gonna go see a therapist i'm gonna go see right. a psychologist and figure out right. how can i work my mind to understand better myself yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, and it's, you know, whether it's your therapist or a sports psych or even just like taking some time off. Mm-hmm. You know, we had we have an athlete on the men's national team. There was a great article about him just before the uh, uh, the Rio Olympics. His name is Matt Anderson, and in the United States, nobody knows his name, right? But but in the world of volleyball, he's like Kobe Bryant, right? I mean, wow. just legendary, you know, and on and off the court, you know, a guy who has really diverse. Um, business, you know, outside interests that he's been involved in, charitable works, you know, had a, um, you know, had a family member uh, with autism. And so he's very active in, in you know, uh, raising money when, he, when he's home and, you know, trying to be involved in the different charities and all that. But, and, and in our sport, you know, at the professional level, there is no professional volleyball per se in the United States. Um, so these athletes, if they go professional, which a lot of them do, you know, they, they have to go overseas. And so for the last gosh, I can't even remember. It's been almost 10 years, I think, that he's been, um, uh, or actually maybe maybe closer to like seven or eight years, he's been over in Russia. You know, mother mother Russia in the middle mm-hmm. of winter. Right? <laughs> and, you know, and he's a, he is a national hero there, but that doesn't replace not having your family around or, you know, not having friends. Uh, I mean, obviously he has friends, you know, the guys on his team or other guys from the national, from the U.S. that play in the same league or something, but it's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the same when you're not, you know, when you're living somewhere, well, for one, you can't go outside half the time, right? Because it's just too, too freezing cold. cold, right? But, you know, you don't speak the language or you, the culture is different, the food is different, the, you know, everything is different, right? The sights, the sounds, the smells, everything is different. And, 
um, you know, just before the games, like he realized that just from a, you know, like, like I need to be at my best to perform my best, like he was just burning out. You know, it was too much to be away from his family, you know, at that particular time. And so he took a self-imposed timeout, like right in the middle of the season, right, right, you know, right before the Olympics, which was, you know, good because he needed to rest, like his body needed to rest, but more so his mind, you know, needed to rest. So there was this fabulous article that wrote in Orange County Register out in California about, uh, about him. Um, look it up if you can, Matt Anderson is his name. But it was just like, he's always been somebody that, that just sort of walks to the beat of his own drum, right? He's not afraid to, you know, be the guy who, who speaks up or, you know, says something that's different from everybody else. You know, he, he, was, he was somewhat of a natural leader, even when he was the youngest guy on the team and wasn't the, you know, the, the voted captain or anything like that. You know, he's, he leads by example. He doesn't need to be the captain. He doesn't need to be the, you know, the main guy that everybody's focused on, but just by virtue of his actions, you know, and his, um, like his drive, right, to always be doing something better than he did it, you know, five seconds ago, uh, he emerges as, you know, a real focal point in the world of our, our sport, you know, arguably the best player you know, to play the game. I mean, I think, you know, at this point, he's, you know, just all around really solid, you know, plays multiple positions, which is tough in our, you know, in our sport. Um, so, yeah, so that's, a, you know, to me, another example of, you know, this whole idea about every once in a while you need a break. And I mentioned to you, if you, if you get the chance, and I can email you some people, there's some really interesting athletes that are doing kind of non-athletic things, you know, <laughs> that I, I think that. Might, be, might be, yeah, might be real interesting features to you. I emailed you once about a gal named Victoria Garrick. Um, and Victoria Garrick is a, she's a graduating senior at USC, and she played women's volleyball there. But she really struggled. Um, and it's not, you know, I, I don't, I'm just getting to know her, you know, over this past year, but um, she really struggled in her past with um, body image issues. You know, I, I'm not sure if there were even any like severe eating disorder, you know, behavior or anything like that, but she really struggled for a long time with, um, with uh, her weight. And, and she's not necessarily, I mean, you know, most people who struggle with their weight, they think they're overweight, but she's not, right? But for years, she was given the impression that, oh, if only you could be, you know, more slender like this person or like that person, right? And so she's actually now, so now she's done with her eligibility. You know, she's graduating this spring in just like a month or two. And she has been um, engaging in a lot of, uh, well, a lot of social. So on her Instagram, uh, she's Victoria Garrick. Um, she, she has started coming forward right after her season ended with her struggle and, you know, kind of the, like the, the real vulnerable side, right? Like, oh, there were days when I couldn't leave my apartment or I got dressed or I couldn't get out because I just didn't like the way I looked, you know, in this outfit or that outfit. And I, you know, and I just was in despair. I mean, she puts it all out there, right? And it's very raw, you know, and it's very like um, jarring, you know, and, and you feel like, you know, oh, you feel like she's your daughter and you just want to throw your arms around her at some point, but she's very real. And she's very honest and she's targeting now or focusing a lot of her, her um, message to younger athletes, you know, who are maybe going through the same thing. Um, it's fascinating. You know, it really is quite fascinating what she's doing right now because it's hard for her. Like she, she gives the impression that she's very at ease, you know, with the public speaking and she's very good. You know, she's, she's actually quite compelling and she's, she speaks, 
you know, she speaks the same language as these young kids in, in high school and junior high school who are struggling, you know, with the same issues that she struggled with. Um, but, you know, she'll be the first one to say, she goes, oh, I'm horrible. Oh, I should have done that better. I'm like, no, please. You know, I mean, oh my God, the fact they're even talking about this, you know, subject matter, especially with female athletes in particular, who are so touchy, you know, about their um, appearance or am I going to fit into this uniform or, you know, anything else. I mean, we used to have this discussion in Sporting Goods all the time as to why why do the top apparel companies, you know, sporting goods come like Nike, Adidas, Puma, you know, why do those companies always make women's athletic uniforms and like extra petite? Because by the way, we are not extra petite. You know, if you're, if you're yeah. playing a sport and you're healthy and you're fit, you know, especially in volleyball, you got girls now who are six foot eight, right? They are not going to fit into an extra small. Even if their body frame is extra small, that thing is going to look like a tube top, you know, once they put it on. So, you know, we, we even had those discussions, you know, in the industry about it. And now there's this, you know, now Victoria brings up a lot of these issues, you know, it's like, um, you know, and, and I think it's very cathartic for her. I'm sure it is, you know, but also she's getting feedback from all around the country, all around the world, right? And she's engaging with, all different ages of not just female athletes, but there have actually been some male athletes who have, you know, have kind of picked up on, on the topic she's talking about. Like, yeah, you know what? Like I'm small for my age or I'm, you know, I was, I, I didn't start, uh, I didn't hit puberty until later in life or whatever. So here we are in the high school weight room and everybody can lift everything. I can barely lift the, the bar, you know? And so she's, she's resonating with you know a really diverse population she would be somebody i would absolutely encourage you to to touch base with she's to me she's fascinating i mean just her story is fascinating you know there's so many athletes that that's just a taboo subject right but here she is just throwing it all out there you know and uh yeah it's it's rough like it's not all it's not all you know hearts and flowers on her you know on her mm -hmm. on her page or on her blog it's sometimes it's some really rough stuff you know she'll talk about even you know, um, uh, like having a, you know, having a breakdown right now, you know, I saw I was going to have this speaking engagement and I just, you know, was, was getting all the materials together and looking at the pictures and my presentation reminded me of that day that I felt so insecure. I felt whatever she goes, and I had a moment, you know, <laughs> so she puts it out there and I'm another, sure it's very, feeling. yeah, it's very therapeutic, you know, but she's very real, like very honest, you know, and I think that resonates with that's why she resonates with such a diverse population of people. Um, I'll look forward to meeting you at the uh, Global Sports Summit. Yeah, I'll see you, I'll see you next week. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and then, and, you know, um, I'll introduce you to, if you haven't already met him, I will definitely introduce you to Ken Shropshire. And I think he might also be a very interesting person um, to feature, you know, on your side or maybe get some connectivity with the, with the Global Sports um, Institute, like the actual, um, you know, because they put out a lot of stories and everything else. But that he might be a really interesting person to to do a little you know interview with because he's i mean gosh i mean talk about diversity in sport like it's amazing the career that he's had and also behind the scenes the career that he's had you know he's a he's a lawyer by um by profession um so as he's been you know being the dean of students at wharton and now the ceo of the sports business institute you know he's also been practicing law you know corporate law like he's represented tons of you know high profile athletes and everything so it's a real interesting kind of you know somebody who went from the the football fields at stanford right and, and almost you know being on track to the nfl to then creating this whole other life as an educator and a lawyer and now another life this is his retirement job you know what i mean yeah. this whole other you know, world now, this is his fun job that he gets to put these stories out, you know, into the, into the public and, uh, you know, and kind of share a little bit with, uh, 
you know, with folks that only knew him in one, you know, in one capacity. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Like, oh, that, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. This is awesome. Right. And then I'll see you next Friday. Well, I'll be there. Are you going to go Thursday for like the mixer and everything? Mm-hmm. I'll be there. I'll be there Thursday. Okay, good. Good. Well, you have my cell number. So yes. when you get there to the Palomar, just give me a quick text and I'll come find you. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, Lori, thank you so much. And You're welcome. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.